Russian President Vladimir Putin has granted American dissident Edward Snowden Russian citizenship. And what do we think? We think, on the one hand, Edward Snowden is a dirty, rotten traitor who revealed national security secrets to the press and undermined American interests and hegemony abroad. Or, or we think that Edward Snowden sacrificed his own comfort and security in the United States to blow the whistle on the overreach of the American security state, which routinely spies on American citizens without our knowledge or consent. Which is it? Do you have an opinion about that? Because I conducted a highly scientific Twitter survey asking conservatives and only conservatives their opinion of Edward Snowden. Over 36% said that they viewed Snowden as the good guy. Just 9.3% said they viewed Snowden as the bad guy. And the plurality, 37.1% said they didn't know. That's the craziest part. The largest group of conservatives said They just didn't know what to think of Snowden, followed by the next largest group, which supports him. Why? Because those conservatives rightly recognize that the American national security state has been weaponized by the radical left. They recognize, as Christopher Caldwell observed in a recent column, that the United States abroad is the radical left. It is, which explains, I think, the recent resurgence of isolationism in U.S. politics. Americans support our own country above the other guys. We're patriots, but we understand that the U.S. is the chief exporter of wokeism abroad. And so we seek to defend our interests as best we can while constraining the exportation of woke leftism, which virtually every power in the world, Western and otherwise, has recognized. All of which is to say, no one really cares about Edward Snowden. And no one really cares about the projection of American power per se around the world. What we care about is the power that we are projecting. What are we doing? Are we spreading truth, justice in the American way? Or are we raising pride flags in Kandahar? What we most care about, I think, is the power being projected by the ruling class at home. And what we ultimately care most about is the power being exercised against us and against our interests. That's not a problem that will be solved by facing down some foreign foe. That is a problem that can only be solved by shoring up the divisions within our own borders, which Joe Biden and the ruling class seem hell-bent on exacerbating every single day. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from... Road King Thor, who says, are cities safe? Corinne Jean-Pierre, I'm not a biologist. That's true. You could say, are cities safe? I'm not an urban planner. Are cities safe? I'm not a criminologist. Or I guess you could say, are cities safe? I'm not a biologist. I don't know. Is the man who was just stabbed dead or alive? I don't know. I'm not a biologist. That's what we, that's what we do on the left. We just play ignorance while America burns. Don't do that. The country is in a lot of trouble, okay? We might be heading down the road to perdition, but at least you can look good while all of that happens. If you want to look good, you got to check out Mizzen and Maine. I absolutely adore Mizzen and Maine. These guys are the inventors of the performance fabric dress shirt. Company was born when Mizzen and Maine's founder saw a sweat-drenched DC staffer running into a meeting, wrinkled, stained, exhausted, disgusting. 
This man's shirt needed a refresh. That is what drove Mizzen and Main to make the world's first performance fabric dress shirt. Ten years later, they now make incredibly comfortable flannels, uh, no-tuck shirts, performance polos. I especially love the performance polos, chinos, so much more. They're just great. The thing I love about it is how it feels, especially me. I'm of the Sicilian extraction. We perspire a little bit, okay? But more than that, I care about how it looks, okay? It just, the style is just smart, and it's kind of like the best of prep and sleek and smart, but meets a little bit of modern. It's just really, really great. If you want the best dress shirts money can buy, check out Mizzen and Main. Right now, if you go to MizzenandMain.com, use promo code Knowles, you will receive $35 off any regular price order of $125 or more. That's $35 off when you go to M-I-Z-Z-E-N-A-N-D-M-A-I-N.com. Use promo code Knowles. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about Edward Snowden. How am I supposed to feel? I, I don't like that he revealed American secrets to the world because I like America. I do like that he blew the whistle on the widespread spying that our own government is doing on us without our knowledge or consent. I don't know. What, what am I supposed to think? I, don't, I, don't, I think I'm with that plurality of Americans, of, of conservatives even, in my Twitter poll. I don't know. I want to project American strength abroad. I want America to be dominant and growing and and powerful. But I don't want to raise pride flags all over the world. I don't want to export transgenderism all over the world. I think that's really bad. If that is what American power is, then I don't want to export American power. Or I don't want to project American power. But I want to be a powerful country. So what do we do? We're all just sort of stuck. We're all just sort of stuck. This is why the isolationism is creeping back up. Because we just don't, ah, what do we do? Are we, are we for a strong America? Well, yes, I'm for a strong America. I don't think transgenderism and all the crazy woke stuff we're exporting makes us stronger. But if we're not involved in the world stage, then we're going to be weaker. But if we project transgenderism, I guess we're going to weaken those other countries, but we're just going to basically weaken everybody. What do we do? This, that is what American power is. There is an insane notice that just came out from the Office for Civil Rights out of the Department of Health and Human Services. Which raises a question, first of all, why is there an office for civil rights at the health department? Why why does every department seem to have an office for civil rights? I get why the DOJ would have an office for civil rights. Why the health department? And here's what they're saying, by the way. What is the civil rights? Is it making sure black people have access to public accommodations? No. No, they're saying HHS is giving guidance on gender-affirming care, civil rights, and patient privacy. The Department of Health and Human Services stands with transgender and gender non-conforming youth and their families and the significant majority of expert medical associations in unequivocally stating that gender-affirming care for minors when medically appropriate and necessary, hint, it is never medically appropriate and necessary, improves their physical and mental health. So, the Office for Civil Rights is defending transing the kids, not just transing adults, which is bad enough, transing the kids. If that is what civil rights law means, if civil rights law means transing little kids and chopping off their genitals, I guess I'm against it. I'm for civil rights. I like the idea of civil rights. I like protecting actual civil rights in practice. I'm sure against this. So what do we do? 
if the, if the civil rights law can be so misinterpreted as to mean pumping little Johnny full of estrogen, then we need to radically reform the civil rights law. Then civil rights law doesn't have really anything to do with civil rights. Certainly doesn't have anything to do with the right. Not just the right meaning the conservatives, the right meaning what is true and good. This is what we're projecting. This is what the American, okay, let's blow the whistle, baby. (laughs) I guess you don't need to blow the whistle on this. They're sending out their own press releases. That is a very, very woke deep state. And the deep state, the kind of permanent bureaucracy, seems to be running the government a hell of a lot more than you are. And it's certainly running foreign policy. The deep state has run foreign policy since World War II. So what are we left with? We're left with an insane, (laughs) unaccountable government that manipulates laws to whatever end they have, that is spying on you, that wants to take your kids away from you if you in any way contradict the new orthodoxy that says that little Johnny's got to lose his most precious body part. Yeah, I, that kind of makes me like Edward Snowden more. I know that these aren't exactly the same issue, but they're all kind of related, right? And I, so I have gr- a great deal of not just sympathy, empathy with the conservatives who say, yeah, maybe he's not the worst guy. Speaking of the, the woke deep state, there's more news on the, the Mark Houck story. So Mark Houck, he's that pro-life author. He peacefully protests outside of abortion clinics. He prays. He, he lets women know that they have other options. They don't have to kill their kids. And so the FBI, of course, had to show up to his house with dozens of agents, rifles pointed at Mark and his wife in front of their seven kids, traumatizing them and haul Mark off to prison because he says maybe we shouldn't kill quite as many babies. So the story has somehow gotten even worse because now attorneys for Mark Houck are saying that way back in June, months ago, when, when this issue, this, this altercation that took place outside of an abortion clinic came up, even though it was sort of laughed out of court, Mark Houck offered to go in and talk to the FBI and the DOJ. He said, look, if you, if you guys want to indict me over this, which you know, I don't think you should, but I'm willing to voluntarily come in and talk to you. DOJ did nothing about that. No, that wouldn't be as glitzy. That that wouldn't be as sensational. That wouldn't be as clear a demonstration of force against conservatives and Christians and pro-lifers. So they ignore Mark's offer to come in peacefully, and they they load up all their guys with armor and a bunch of rifles and point them at this guy's head and point them at his wife and, and point them all around the house in front of the seven kids. That's the FBI. That's the DOJ. Give me more Edward Snowdens, I guess. I wouldn't have said that five or 10 years ago, but I didn't realize how corrupt the FBI and the DOJ were. And as I said the other day when the story first broke, I blame the agents here. I think enough of this nice guy conservative, well, you know, it's the corrupt political leadership at the DOJ, but the agents are the good guys. Yeah, I'm sure there are good FBI agents. In fact, I know some good FBI agents, but these, these aren't the good guys. These aren't the political leaders at the FBI or the appointed officials at the DOJ. These are the regular run-of-the-mill agents acting like jackbooted thugs, private police for our corrupt government, our corrupt political ruling class that goes in and points guns at pro-life advocates. These people should be ashamed of themselves. They should apologize. They should all resign. They are really, really giving a bad name to not just their agency, to, to not just the deep state, to the whole country. Okay, and it makes people 
feel embarrassed and ashamed of the country. It makes people not want to project American power abroad because we think if this is the power, pointing guns at pro-life authors because they dare to say that we shouldn't kill babies, then I don't want to project that power. You know what I want? I want to do things for myself, like fix my car. When I want to fix my car, where do I go? RockAuto.com. Right now, head on over to RockAuto.com. Write Knowles in their How Did You Hear About Us box. With the ever-increasing numbers of vehicle makes and models, it is impossible for a traditional chain storefront to stock all the parts that you need. Why wait while the man at the counter orders parts for your car from the brand that his warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer in your pocket. Just go to rockauto.com. Rockauto.com has been in the auto parts business for 20 years. Family owned, their goal is to make auto parts available and affordable to keep you safe on the road. They not only have the auto parts you need, they will give you a selection of trusted name brands to choose from. You can pick whatever you need. The brakes that match how you use your vehicle for towing, racing, or just commuting to work. You can get suspension, exhaust, air conditioning, and other kits that provide all the parts that you need for a successful repair. Super easy, no gimmicks, the same prices for pros and do-it-yourselfers. The catalog is so easy to navigate, even I can do it. What do you do? You head on over to rockauto.com right now. Get brakes, shocks, carpet, wipers, headlights, mirrors, mufflers, lug nuts, any other part that you need. Rockauto.com. Be sure to write Knowles in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Speaking of the deep state and corruption. You know, I don't know if you heard about this crazy conspiracy theory. There's a crazy lunatic conspiracy theory. It goes back to COVID that if a mother, if an, a nursing mother gets the COVID vaccine, that that could affect her baby, that it could end up in the baby if she's pregnant or if the baby's already been born and the baby's nursing, that the COVID vaccine could end up in the breast milk. And that's a crazy, insane, radical, crazy conspiracy theory. Oh, whoops, it's true. New study published on Monday reveals what they say. It's just trace amounts. Not a lot. Little tiny amounts of COVID vaccine mRNAs found in the breast milk of lactating women. This is not some fringe crazy blog. This is from the Journal of the American Medical Association, an international peer-reviewed journal that's been publishing for, for many decades. And the journal says, quote, caution is warranted regarding breastfeeding infants younger than six months in the first two days after maternal COVID-19 vaccination. Why is caution warranted? One, of course, we were told that the vaccines don't affect babies in any way, so don't, and then that turned out to be a lie. But why is caution warranted? I, I was told the vaccine is 100% safe. It's wonderful. Everyone should get it. Everyone should get multiple shots. Kids especially. Oh, yeah. Even though kids face pretty much zero risk from coronavirus, no, they got to get those shots. Let's, so why would caution be warranted? Because obviously the vaccine has side effects, some of which are dangerous, some of which are deadly. And they're slowly admitting this. And, and those of us who called it from the very beginning, who said, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't get this vaccine. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a good idea. I don't know. COVID doesn't seem all that bad relative to other plagues in the history of the world. And this vaccine is untested technology. It seems like there's a lot of risk here. And so I'm just not going to do it. We were called crazy conspiracy theorists. We were kicked off of social media in some cases. Episodes of this show were censored by the big tech platforms. Now it turns out it's all true. This, this is the Clinton strategy. This is what the Clintons used to do when they get caught up in a scandal. They'd get, they'd get accused of some scandal that they were obviously guilty as sin of. And they say, no, that didn't happen. And they deny, 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 deny. And then when it was finally completely undeniable, 
They would say, oh, that's old news. Oh, are you still talking about that? That's old news. No, it's not old news. You, you've been lying to me this whole time. You've been gaslighting me this whole time. Now you're telling me it's old news. Oh yeah. No, of course the vaccines are dangerous. Yeah. No, of course. Yeah. Of course, you know, caution is, is warranted. Yeah. Yeah. What's the big deal? Well, the big deal is you, I've been saying that for years and you've been calling me a crazy person. I feel like a crazy person. What do you be? But you're the crazy people. I'm the one saying the cough's not all that bad and the vaccine has some side effects and wearing a little hanky in front of your face for two years is not orderly and it's not going to save the, the public, okay? And uh, I don't know, I'm the one who's been saying that maybe we shouldn't chop off the genitals of little kids and I'm the one that's been saying that it's actually probably not a great idea to kill all the little babies and you've been calling me the crazy one and you've been projecting all this insanity abroad. But you guys, you guys are the crazy ones. You're the, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. It is, it is the American ruling class that is crazy. And it's why we don't want to encourage them. It's why we all are just kind of standing still right now. Speaking of mothers, speaking of marriage, love marriage and the baby carriage, a woman reportedly feels very violated. This is a Daily Wire story. She feels violated because a court is ordering her to hand over racy photos to her ex-husband in a divorce. The judge has ordered me to give nude photos of my body to a third party that I don't know without my consent. And the third party here, it's not quite as bad as the headline makes it sound. It's that the, the woman took some boudoir shots, I guess, for her hubby, and now they're getting divorced. And in the settlement, the husband gets to keep some of the photos. But the, the judge is saying, okay, you, lady, you don't need to hand over the nude photos, but you have to hand them back to the photographer who took the photos. And he's going to sort of airbrush that out and edit them a little bit so that your husband doesn't have porn of you. But he gets to keep the memories and even the inscriptions on the photos. And the woman has a problem even that he gets the inscriptions. Forget about the photos. She goes, even those inscriptions were kind of racy and sensual. And I, I don't want him to have those. That's wrong. That's, that's the sort of thing a wife gives her husband. Right. Right, lady, you're so close. It's amazing how I didn't, I didn't pack it with me. You know, I'm traveling right now. I didn't pack the world's tiniest violin with me because I just fear that sometimes when you're going through airport security, sometimes they can break your world's tiniest violin. But had I brought it with me, I would certainly be playing it for her right now. This woman is in no way a victim. If you don't want pornographic photos of yourself out there, don't take them. Definitely don't send them to people. Okay, she took them. She gave them to her husband. Now they're out there. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Okay. And now what's the problem? She says, well, it's not even the pornographic photos. It's that he has them. Those are photos that a wife gives to her husband. Right, lady. He's your husband. If you, if you, if you don't want someone who's not your husband to have those photos, don't get divorced. Well, it's not that simple, Michael. We have irreconcilable differences. We don't like each other. Okay. okay fine. So you don't take your marriage vows seriously. You couldn't work it out for whatever reason. Okay, I don't even need to know the details. Fine. You play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. You know there are consequences to actions in the world, right? Does this lady know that? I don't know that she does. This is, this is increasingly defining our culture. People do ever more insane things with the expectation that there will never be any consequences of those things that they will have to live with. And it can be really heartbreaking too. I mean, this is kind of a stupid story, but it can be really heartbreaking. I, I see these these stories of transgender regret all the time. Uh, Seth Dillon from the Babylon Bee was just posting 
screenshots of, of these letters from people who said, I transitioned when I was 14 and I've completely destroyed my body and it's irreversible and I, I, I'm unlovable. I, 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 I can't look at myself in the mirror. All these really heartbreaking, heartbreaking stories. And obviously I don't blame the kids for doing that. They're 14 year olds. 14 year olds are stupid and they make insane, reckless decisions. That's kind of the definition of a 14 year old. I certainly blame the parents. I certainly blame the cultural figures that are promoting this. I certainly blame the Office for Civil Rights at the Department of Health and Human Services. I certainly blame Joe Biden. I I blame those American officials. I blame them personally. Everyone is just trying to get out of consequences. Say what you will about Edward Snowden. Again, I told you, I don't really know what to think about Snowden. Part of me thinks he's a traitor. Part of me thinks he blew the whistle on an important story. Say what you will about Snowden. He accepted the consequences of what he did. Nobody in the deep state, to my knowledge, has ever had to accept the consequences of their nefarious actions. Snowden said, okay, I'm going to give up. I'm going to give up my comfortable life, my, my position as an American. I'm going to go have to live in Russia. Okay, that's, that's the consequences of, of blowing the whistle. All right, at least give the guy credit for that. If you, if you don't want, this is my PSA today. You can, you can have a, the more you know logo underneath. If you don't want nude photos of you going to your ex-husband, don't do porn and don't get divorced. There you go. Problem solved. Speaking of separation, there's a really, really uh, scary, though totally expected study that just came out that loneliness, loneliness increases aging more than cigarettes do. This is a story out of Hong Kong, but it's a sort of international team of scientists, uh, people from Hong Kong, people from Stanford University in the United States. They say that being unhappy or experiencing loneliness accelerates the aging process more than smoking and uh, damages the body's biological clock, increases the risk for Alzheimer's, diabetes, heart disease, and other illnesses. This in the journal Aging. I think we all know this. And yet, we don't treat it as a, a public health problem. This is one of the most important public health problems that we're facing today. And no one wants to deal with it. In fact, it's really not just the libs, they're the ones pushing this, but both sides of the aisle are exacerbating that problem, the problem of loneliness. We tend to think of public health and most political questions in our day and age as just material questions. Well, we can't take into account spiritual concerns or metaphysical concerns, so we're just going to deal with flesh and matter. And the reason people are unhappy and now dying and not living as long as they used to in the United States, not having kids, not forming families, the reason is just because they don't have enough money, that we just need to forgive their student loans. Oh, the reason is that they don't have enough stuff. No, that's not why. There's something deeper that has frayed here. And the, the real issue is a complete breakdown of the sense of American community. The sense, the sense not only that we have a place in America, that our political opponents are our fellow citizens. I think that is almost entirely frayed. Not only that the different states have a relationship to one another, but even within our own families, that we have any real connection or obligation or duty to our family members. 
The, the left spins that off because they hate the family and they hate traditional institutions. But the right does it too because the right talks about all this babble of only, in, only looking at politics from the perspective of individual rights and entitlement and greed is good and go out there and make money, money, money and ignore your family and ignore your, your sort of obligations. Well, the consequence of both of those policies is you get what you pay for. That, that political movements, just like individual actions, have consequences. And you play stupid games, you're going to win stupid prizes. We, got to, we have to prioritize dealing with the loneliness epidemic, which means we need to prioritize rebuilding a sense of American community, which ne- means we need to prioritize having a shared set of values and speaking a common language, which means we need to prioritize discussions about the common good, not just our own individual rights to do whatever the hell we want, but actually what we ought to do. And we've got to prioritize resolving those debates, and we've got to We've got to be able to wield cultural institutions and political institutions, by the way, to shape and enforce that view of the common good. And I don't know that anyone really wants to do it. The radical libs obviously have done it and perverted our whole system. But I don't, I don't know that we have the appetite to do that. But it's the only way to save the country. Speaking of priorities, Corinne Jean-Pierre, amid the economic turmoil, amid the immigration crisis, historic immigration crisis, amid the first major war in Europe since World War II, amid all these problems, energy crisis, Corinne Jean-Pierre has her priorities in order on the sort of conversations that we need to have. President posting the Atlanta Braves today, wondering if you or the president has any thoughts about some of the controversial, mm-hmm. about the team name, the Braves name, the so-called Tomahawk shop, any thoughts on so, look, we, we believe that it's important um, to have this conversation, uh, you know, and, uh, and Native American and indigenous voices, uh, they should be at the center of this conversation. I, I would like to issue a fact check. It is not, in fact, important that we have that conversation. We do not, in fact, have to have the conversation about changing the names of the Atlanta sports team. We don't, we don't need to do that. It's okay. We have bigger fish to fry. It's okay. Atlanta can keep the Braves. It's fine. It's totally fine. But for the libs, this is an important conversation. For the libs, all these little issues are always important conversations because it's, it's death to America by a thousand cuts. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to pervert the civil rights offices. We're going to change civil rights law to now protect sexual orientation and gender identity. We're going to change the curricula at the schools. We're going to open up the border a little bit. We're go- and, and a lot, actually. We're going to lock people down a little bit where we can. We're going to force a few different mandates on maybe the vaccines or on maybe lockdowns. We're going to do this and that and this and that. We're going to change the name of your sports teams. We're going to do everything all at once. And you're going to be so confused, it's going to be like whack-a-mole. You're going to say, wait, what? How are we doing? Wait, hold on. What? No, you're changing my sports team. You're trying to trans my kid. You're calling, you're telling me that, that I'm, I'm evil because I'm white. You're telling me, boom, boom, boom. And where, whenever you hit the mole, then another one pops up. And it leads to a kind of political impotence. This is the impotence of the plurality of conservatives in my Twitter poll who don't know what to think about Edward Snowden. We just think, oh, but I, oh, I'm torn between these two polls. I don't, what, things are changing so fast. I don't know what to think. There are more important issues though. And actually speaking of, 
Russia. The new British Prime Minister, Liz Truss, has, has just become probably the first person even near Europe to start doing something proactive about dealing with the energy crisis that is causing all this crazy inflation and that is a result of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Liz Truss has just lifted the fracking ban in the UK. She's pushing for higher fossil fuel production. She has the goal now of becoming a net exporter of energy by 2040. And she's also cutting taxes. So kind of standard conservative policy. But, but she is now governing along the lines of drill, baby, drill. And the libs are losing their minds over this. Increasing fossil fuel production is the only alternative, especially when we're talking about the Europeans, to supporting Russia in the Ukraine war. Another, a classic example of the libs thinking that they're never going to have to deal with any consequences. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to expand NATO recklessly into Ukraine. We're going to provoke Russia at every single chance we can get. We're then going to take the sanctions off Russia's oil pipeline, which the president of Ukraine, Vladimir Zelensky, said is going to cause a Russian invasion of Ukraine. We're even going to literally invite Putin to invade parts of Ukraine when Joe Biden says if, if Putin just invades the eastern part of Ukraine, well, if it's just a minor incursion, no big deal. We're going to do all that kind of stuff. We're going to destroy the Western energy sector, especially in Europe, because of concerns over global warming or whatever. And then we're not going to face any consequences from that, except that winter is coming and the Europeans are entirely dependent on Russian oil. And now the Russians hold all the cards. And now Europeans are going to freeze to death over the winter. Unless something is done. Well, okay, we got to do something. Okay, well, the thing that we can do is drill and frack. No, we don't want to do that. Okay, then what are you going to do? You you have no clear political vision. You want to just do all of these incoherent things all at once. And what is the consequence of that? It's just total impotence. It's just waiting to freeze to death. That's, that's what the Europeans are doing. That's what Britain is not doing anymore, but that's what the Europeans are doing. And it's what we're all kind of doing in a metaphorical sense here in the West. We're all just sort of waiting to freeze to death. We don't really want to disturb the system too much. We realize that the system is inconsistent. It's not really working. We, we don't we want, we want things that are incoherent and contradictory, and so we just, we just stand still. Speaking of oil-rich states, Texas, you know, is very attractive to many Californians. A lot of people fleeing that state. The U-Hauls are all moving in one direction. We fled. We didn't go to Texas, but we went kind of close. We went to Tennessee. Well, there's a major Californian uh, who is leaving for Texas. Now, that would be Governor Gavin Newsom. Uh, Sorry, Texans. Democrat Governor Gavin Newsom spoke at an event in Texas over the weekend. And this would not be particularly noteworthy. Politicians speak all over the country all the time. Gavin Newsom obviously wants to run for president. No surprise that he's holding events in different states. Except that travel to Texas is explicitly banned. Government travel to Texas is banned by California. And it's banned by California because Texas doesn't want to trans the kids. There in 27, there was a measure that went into effect in California that uh, took action because of North Carolina's measures to uh, keep the men in the men's bathroom and the women in the women's bathroom. 
And it says that it voids or repeals or has the effect of voiding or repealing existing state or local protect. Oh, I'm sorry. Any state that voids or repeals or has the effect of voiding or repealing existing state or local protections against discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression, uh, those states you cannot travel to as a government official in California. So Gavin Newsom does it. Now, Gavin Newsom's already done this kind of stuff before. He did it back uh, over the summer. He went on a vacation to Montana. Montana is also one of these states. And Newsom said, oh, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. No, it's, I, it was just a personal trip, even though he brought his security team with him. No, no, it was a personal trip, so it doesn't count. Now, Gavin Newsom obviously knew that this was a problem with the California law because he didn't include the trip to Montana on his schedule. So he knew it was a big issue. He did it anyway. This is certainly violating that law, going to Texas. Doesn't matter. He did it anyway. Why did he do it? Because the rules don't apply to him. And none of us are surprised. We know how there is, there are two systems of justice in this country and conservatives have the harsher one, right? We're the ones who, the the libs can go around and burn the country down for eight months. That's fine. They get a slap on the wrist if that. Conservatives, if we peacefully protest outside of an abortion clinic, we're going to have two dozen Gestapo agents kick in our door and point rifles at us in front of our seven kids. That's just, that's just the way it works now. Donald Trump perfectly legally brings some documents after he was president to Mar-a-Lago. What happens? The Gestapo knocked down the door and, and they raid the president's home. But right, uh, left-wing officials face no consequences whatsoever, frequently for doing the very same thing. We know that. We know that that happens. And so, bringing you right back to thinking about Edward Snowden, you think, well, I, I love my country, but I can't say that I really like these people who are running the country, because not only are they doing it in an incompetent way, in an unjust way, in an immoral way, but they're actually coming after me, okay? They're coming after me for believing perfectly ordinary things, like don't kill babies and don't trans the kids. It's just lawlessness, and you're seeing that lawlessness especially from Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom is now issuing government ID cards to illegal aliens. Says, we're a state of refuge, a majority minority state where 27% of us are immigrants. That's why I'm proud to announce the signing of today's bills to further support our immigrant community, which makes our state stronger every single day. And here's what the, the new law says. The bill would specify that immigration enforcement, as defined, does not constitute an urgent health and safety need for those purposes and would prohibit a government agency or department, law enforcement agency, commercial entity, or other person from obtaining, accessing, using, or otherwise disclosing the non-criminal history information maintained by the department for the purpose of immigration enforcement. So you're saying not only are are we going to give these immigrants, these illegal aliens, ID cards and treat them increasingly like citizens. We're actually going to prohibit the law enforcement agencies from enforcing the law. And why are they doing this? They're doing this, obviously, because it helps them politically. But this is de facto amnesty. If you're you're telling the law enforcement agencies they can't enforce the law on illegal immigration, and then you're giving the illegal aliens government-issued ID cards, that is de facto amnesty. We know that Biden and the Democrats want amnesty at the federal level. But they, don't, they actually don't even need it. As you have this kind of breakdown of the national sense of unity, you're just going to see these things happen at the state level. And just as, as far right as Texas or Tennessee is going, that's how far left you're going to see California go. 
So you've, you've stopped giving your money to woke razor companies that hate you, and you've bought Jeremy's razors instead. That's good. Glad to hear that. Every dollar that we take away from the left is $1 saved from misuse. But that is a fringe benefit compared to the Jeremy's razors contest for the car that we've just launched. Here's how it works. For every person you refer, whether they buy a Jeremy's razor kit or a Daily Wire annual membership, you both get points in the race to win the God King's McLaren. If you refer enough people, you just might win it. Seriously. A 3.8 liter V8 powered sports car with hundreds more horsepower, even than my Honda Civic, which is pretty crazy. I've got a pretty beefy car, you know. Now, I know that Matt thinks that he has the most dedicated audience out there, the SBG. But if one of you were to win, I would be able to prove him wrong. So a win for you is a win for me. Sign up and start competing at jeremysrazors.com slash play. The race for the car ends on November 1st. So get in the competition today. Most of the top players have not hit 20 referrals yet. So there is still plenty of time for you to jump into the race and win. See terms and conditions for complete details at jeremysrazors.com slash referral terms. The program is open only to legal U.S. residents residing in the U.S. and D.C., excluding residents of Colorado, Connecticut, Maryland, Puerto Rico, and U.S. territories and possessions 18 and older. Remember, friends don't let friends shave with woke razors. Speaking of Mexico, speaking of projecting American power abroad, this is a story that I wanted to get to uh, last week, did not have the opportunity to do so. Matt Gates, Republican member of Congress, has some powerful plans for how to deal with the illegal immigration problem, and uh, that would be to bomb it out of existence. There has been discussion today of fentanyl, and I, it irks me every time I hear someone talk about fentanyl overdoses, because no one overdoses on fentanyl, because I don't think anybody really sets out to like score some fentanyl for a good time. Since people don't set out to use fentanyl, since it's something we don't want in our country, we should be totally capable of stopping it. And the only reason we aren't is because we purposefully allow our border to degrade. Not by accident, not because of some, some lack of capability or some unsolvable problem set, but because there are some groups on the right and left who think that they will do better economically if we just let millions of people into the country and depress the wages of Americans. And the cost they're willing to pay for that are the funerals and the deaths and the broken lives as a result of fentanyl poisoning. Because it is not an overdose. It is a poisoning that happens. So, so that's the argument that he's making. And the kind of climax to this argument is, let's, let's go in and just stop these cartels. Let's bomb these guys. I've made the same suggestion in the past. Why don't we do it? Well, yes, I understand it would be complicated. You would destabilize the Mexican government, such as it is. And because we don't have a wall yet, that would probably lead to an increased surge of illegal aliens across the border. And so you'd have to do it in a smart way. Okay, sure. I agree with all of that. Sure, I get it. But why is the suggestion laughed out of the room? Why aren't people taking that seriously? Why isn't the United States, the deep state, and the American military putting pretty much all of their focus on that issue. Why are we invading Libya? Why are we prancing around the Middle East in frequently incoherent military actions where we have an objective, then we sort of reverse the objective, then we just stay there for a while, then we pull out sort of arbitrarily? Why are we doing that when we have an actual existential problem on our southern border where giant criminal cartels 
are actually poisoning our people, so much so that the life expectancy is decreasing and flooding our country with foreign nationals, a obviously a national security risk, a, a, a mockery of our constitutional government. Why aren't we focused on that? Why? That should be the entire focus of our national security state and the U.S. military. What do we have a military for? If we can't stop millions and millions of people crossing our border illegally every year by paying off some of the worst, most dangerous criminals on earth right on our southern border, not over in Libya, not over in Syria, right there, right on the other side of the Rio Grande, then what's it for? What are we doing? What are we doing? Oh, well, no, the, the deep state has other plans. They've got other priorities. They've got to spy on you. They, they've got to go kick down the door of pro-life authors and point guns at his family. They've got, to, they've got really important things. They've got to go harass the former president and chief political rival to Joe Biden and invade his home. They've got really important stuff. Oh, stopping the fentanyl from crossing the border? Yeah, they'll get to it when they get to it. Stopping the, the two million people that have come in the last year illegally over the border? Oh, yeah, well... We're just stretched real thin. We don't have the resources. We got to go kick down the doors of a few more pro-life advocates. Yeah, sorry. We got to go trans some more kids. This is a civil rights issue. This is priority number one for the Biden White House. So yeah, we'll get we'll get to the the fentanyl and the criminal cartels and the flooding of our country with foreign nationals. We'll get to that when we get to it. We just got to trans a few more kids first. If that's our deep state, I'm glad somebody blew the whistle. Okay, and I think that's what a lot of people feel as well. Speaking of things in which all is fair, such as not only war, but love as well. How's that for a segue? I also wanted to get to this last week. I'm glad we have the opportunity. The latest in the Adam Levine saga. Yes, I have been following the story very closely. I, I'm not sure that I've ever listened to more than one Adam Levine song. I, you know, he was the guy from Maroon 5, and there was that one song that was on the radio all the time. But I don't, I don't follow this guy very closely. And the long and short of it is he cheated on his wife, apparently. And the women that he allegedly cheated with are releasing all these DMs, and they're really, really lame. I bring up the story, not not to scold Adam Levine even for doing a bad thing, though he did do a very bad thing, Uh, not to even shame the women for sleeping with a married man, which is very bad, and they, they shouldn't have done that. I bring up the story to just point out how lame this whole thing is. The texters, oh, you're so effing beautiful, you're so effing hot, oh my gosh, he sounds like like a weird randy 12-year-old boy and it's so this is an adult with many many millions of dollars with a family with kids with another kid on the way he's oh wow you're so effing hot and if you <laughs> if you've ever been tempted to cheat on your wife or if you're being tempted right now to cheat on your wife and you're not persuaded to avoid doing that because of god because of morality because of your vows that you took to your wife at least consider this. Don't cheat on your wife because of how freaking lame you're going to look. Oh my gosh. And the thing that is boggling everybody's mind about this too is that this guy who, okay, yeah, rock star cheats on his wife. Wow, never heard that story before. It's, I think it's the texting of it all that is what's so weird about it. That this guy is sitting in his room at night like, ooh, tee hee hee, I'm going to send naughty little texts to these random women on Instagram. Like, bro, that is so sad and lame. But why is he doing it? And if the story is true that he did cheat on his wife, how did that come about? He's doing it because of something that we all fall into, which is we believe that the online world isn't real. It's not real. Twitter's not real. Porn isn't real. 
the flirty text messages, the sort of lame text messages with these Instagram models, that's not real. That's just the virtual life. It's kind of whatever. You're just doing it on your phone in the, in the dark with the blinds closed. It's okay. Then you're going to go back out into your real life. But it is real. And it, it bleeds over into your real physical life, obviously. There, there's a huge misconception, I, I think, in our culture. Because we have a view of the mind and, and virtue and, and the soul that suggests that we just need to blow off steam sometimes. You say, oh, okay, we're gonna, I'm just going to go, uh, you know, well, porn would be a great example, actually. I'm just going to blow off a little steam. I'm going to look at porn, but that's going to tame down my passions, and so I'm not going to go cheat on my wife. But it's sort of the opposite is true. It actually just excites your lust. It just, it just, virtue and vice are just habits. And so the more you do of those things, the, the, the more you're going to do of them. And the, and the more radically you're going to express those things. And this is especially true in the online to real world divide. If you start, take gambling, for instance. If you start gambling online and you just play some of these little games, then you say, oh, it's just fun. There's no real money involved. There's no, there's no real stakes very often that turns into a full-blown gambling addiction. And people lose real money, even though it seems like it's just in this virtual world. Countless stories of people who download these stupid little games where it's little, little colored blocks falling, and, and then they end up losing lots and lots of money, tens of thousands of dollars sometimes. Because the online world, the online life, really does matter. Take it as a cautionary tale. Do not do not, I always heard this line, don't ever send an email that you wouldn't want to read on the front page of the New York Times. Uh, you can take it further. Do not send any DMs to Instagram models that you would not say in real life to her face and that you would not want to read on the cover of the Daily Wire because that will, that will be really, really sad for you. Speaking of frivolous women, huge, huge shocking news from the conservative on The View. You know the conservative on The View? The View, that, that group of cackling hens, <laughs> the, the View has always a conservative, and the conservative usually is not a conservative. Usually the conservative is a Democrat who pretends to be a conservative. But now the Democrat who pretends to be a conservative on The View is saying that she might vote for a Democrat. Is it time for a third party? I think it might be, because I think that the way the parties are structured now in the primary system, we don't elect the most qualified people. We uh, elect the people who cater the most to the base, which is the minority of both parties, rather than people who are most likely to want to get things done, to work across the aisle. I'll say this. I agree about halfway with Liz Cheney. Mm -hmm. I will full stop never support an election denier. I still want to work from within with the Republican Party. I believe politics is cyclical, and the Donald Trump moment, which has consumed all of us for so long, will eventually come to an end, and I hope to influence the party from within. The Donald Trump party is not a conservative party. It's a populist, nationalist, right-wing party that I have about as much in common with as I do Bernie Sanders. But I want to get back to something where we are pro-free trade, pro-globalization, for legal uh, immigration into the country, mm -hmm. securing the border, but with mm -hmm. legal immigration, and that's just not where we are now. As far as supporting Democrats, um, I'd be open to it on a case-by-case -case basis. I'd have to look at their policies. Yeah, um, right, and right. that's kind of where I am. That's where I am. Look, I'm a conservative. I, I just, look, Donald Trump, he's not conservative because he wants to conserve things, you know, and he, he believes in, he's a, he's a right-wing person, but I'm not. I'm a conservative, and what do I support? I support things like free trade. I support things like mass migration. I support things, she goes down the list. She's, she's presenting herself not as a conservative. She's presenting herself as a Bill Clinton Democrat. 
She's saying, you know, like a conservative, like a, like Bill Clinton. <laughs> and he's like, no, lady, that Donald Trump is much, much more conservative than you are. Of course, I mean, Hillary might be more conservative than that lady is. It's it, it's all just so fake. And listening to that, I, I sort of sympathize with her because maybe in the '90s or sometime in the 2000s, that might have been what the the squishy conservatives dominated the party, and that might have been what they thought conservatism was. Just cut taxes, flood the country with foreigners, and did I mention cutting taxes? Yeah, cut taxes and have free, free trade and globalism. That's what people thought it was. And now, in large part thanks to Donald Trump, conservatives are waking up and saying, no, actually, conservatism is deeper than just policies of Bill Clinton, okay? With more, like, gay stuff. <laughs> the policies of Bill Clinton with more rainbow flags. That Actually, conservatism runs a little bit deeper than that. We're kind of going back to a tradition that is that is much deeper and much more serious. And, and so in that moment, the, the squishes in the middle, the Alyssa Farah people, really all of us, we're looking, we're saying, what does it even mean? What does it mean to be a conservative? What does it mean to be an American patriot? And that's why, that's why we're all stuck on this question. What the hell am I supposed to think about Edward Snowden? You know, the rest of the show is continuing right now. You do not want to miss it. If you are a member we are going to be getting to fake headlines today. I know it's it's Woke Wednesday. We're supposed to get to a Woke commercial or or Woke viral video, but I'm on the roads. So we're going to swap it this week. Okay, we're going to do the fake headlines. You've, you've got to see if you can guess which headline is fake. Uh, obviously, we'll be chatting with you in the Daily Wire member chat. If you're not already a member, all right, head on over. Click the link in the description and join us.